It's uh, great to be with you here in Cedar Falls. I called the setup team that uh, sets up the theater on Sunday morning, called them on my way in and said, I wish I was there with you because it's a great place to worship. But uh, any place you go is a great place to worship. And we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. The assignment that I was given to visit with you about this morning is this, that God is holy in all that he does and all that he is in his very being. He is holy and set apart. And because of this, we are to worship him uh, in word and in deed. That's with the words that we say and the actions that we do. Now, you should know as I begin this teaching that I like to take the scenic route when I'm teaching. Uh, not only when I'm teaching, but uh, when I go on trips. I'll ask my family, I'll say, family, do you mind if I take the scenic route? And they'll say, well, it's okay as long as it doesn't take any longer than taking the direct route. So we were, uh, actually before we were married, Jennifer and I were in Minnesota, and uh, I knew of some uh, county roads that just winded through some some beautiful rolling hills, and I said, Jennifer, you mind if we take the scenic route? And she, again, she says, you know, as long as we get, get home in time, and uh, she didn't much like it when I ended up in Wisconsin. Uh, so if it seems this morning that I'm not getting to the assignment, just hold on and uh, we'll, we'll get there and uh, I'll, I'll assure you that uh, we will not end up in Wisconsin this morning. So I invite you on a journey with me and uh, begin with the question. Uh, I want you to think about and uh, just curious if you've ever uh, found yourself caught off guard standing in awe of something. Uh, you're just going about your day, and something just almost takes your breath away. We were in Haiti a few weeks ago, and we were eating lunch, an important time in Haiti because we're working hard, and we need that sustenance. And somebody came into the dorm and said, you guys got to get outside and see this. And so uh, we run outside to see this. This is a sun dog, and they told us that in Haiti they see these fairly often, but rarely do they see it so uh, perfectly pronounced with the full halo around the sun. And we all stood out there with our necks cranked, getting stiff necks, blinded by this amazing sight, and we were standing in awe. Sometimes we stand in awe of terrible and awful things. Not one of us didn't have a sense of pause when we read the headlines or when we heard about the bombings uh, at the marathon. And we just stood there like, that is awful. And we just uh, thought, how could anyone do that? I want to bring it a little closer to home for us. Uh, some of you maybe were even a little upset that uh, the word peregrine is even in the bulletin because you know of the devastation that happened uh, at the hands of Russell Wassendorf, who was the founder and CEO of Peregrine Financial Group. He admittedly stole millions of dollars from hardworking men and women. And we stand in awe of that terrible thing that he did. Now, as not to leave a bad taste in your mouth as we think about uh, Peregrine Financial Group, I want to introduce to you to two men who were named Peregrine. Uh, the first is St. Peregrine Laziosi. He lived in Rome in about uh, 1300, and his picture is up there on the screen. And I'm going to talk more about him in a little bit, but I want to tell you about another peregrine that lived uh, long before uh, Laziosi. Uh, St. Peregrine the Martyr, he died about year 182. And uh, um, he lived in Rome and uh, in the time when uh, Commodus was the emperor of Rome. Now you may... Uh, 
You may be familiar with uh, uh, the Emperor Commodus. He was made well-known in our culture through the movie The Gladiator. In the movie The Gladiator, Russell Crowe plays this uh, gladiator who stands in opposition to uh, the emperor, and Commodus was the emperor because he killed, he murdered his father in order for him to become the emperor. And it pro- uh, just... Uh, uh, paints a picture of communists being this evil, awful man. And if you've seen the movie, you've know, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but St. Peregrine, uh, he learned that communists was evil as well in a very, very real way. See, communists was a person that nobody liked. And uh, communists knew this. And so on his birthday, he issued a decree that everyone in Rome was to worship him and to give him praises and to speak highly of their most great uh, emperor, Commodus. Uh, people didn't like him on their own accord. So Commodus says, I'm going to issue a law that on my birthday, at least on my birthday, someone will worship me. So... Uh, Peregrine and a few of his buddies decided that that's not what they were going to do. They were going to worship the one and true and holy God, the creator of heaven and earth, and they certainly were not going to worship Commodus. So what happens is they take to the streets and they're worshiping God with their words. They're giving praises to God. They're saying, no, we will not worship you, communists, because you are not worthy. There's only one worthy of our full devotion and our full praise and to worship him in word with our words and with our actions, the deeds that we do. So Peregrine and his buddies uh, went and they worshiped God in word and deed. And we begin to see a picture of what that looks like. And so on that day, as they're standing in the streets and Commodus finds out that these men are not uh, worshiping him, he puts them to death. He puts them to death. Now begs the question, why would Peregrine and his friends uh, go to the death to worship a holy God. Well, for the very fact that God is holy and He alone is holy. See, Peregrine and his buddies would have had a vision in their minds similar to that of Isaiah and John who writes about it in Revelation. See, both Isaiah and John had this uh, vision of God's holiness and His splendor and they write about it. And uh, you know the phrase, um, uh, the scene is this that uh, God's throne uh, is there in heaven. And Isaiah in chapter 66, he says that the heavens are God's throne. The heavens, all that your eye can see in the evening, the heavens, uh, that is God's throne. And the earth is but a footstool for for God. And so in this amazing place called heaven where God sits on his throne, there are these amazing creatures circling the throne, the immense throne of God. And what are they saying? They're saying from time when before time began to this day for all eternity, they are saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty who was He just was. He always has been. We played a little game in uh, Junior High Chaos out in Grundy. We played the game Stump the Chump, and I was the chump. And so I told the kids, ask any question you want, and I'll see if I can answer it. And I prayed a lot that night. And uh, one one, uh, girl raised her hand. She she says, Mike, Mike, like, uh, who, who created God? Like, when did he start? And I says, 
Well, he didn't start. He just always was. Just always was. And not only was he always was, he always is in his totality and in his perfectness. And he always will be and he will come. God is holy. And so St. Peregrine and his buddies would have had that picture seared in their minds. And so it would, it would just make total sense that they would give their life fully to this holy God. And the first reason we worship him in, in word and in deed is just because the fact that he is holy. Now, what does it mean that he is holy? Well, simply it means that he is set apart. He is holy with a W other than everything else that we see or experience. He is just other because he is God and he is holy. Problem comes uh, with the fact that we are not holy. So even though we... Uh, the fact that God is holy, it resonates in our soul. Like, uh, of course He is holy because He wouldn't be God if He wasn't holy. And we are drawn in that, that spirit because uh, we want purity and we want that in our lives. But there's also another sense in us that we realize and we acknowledge the fact that we are not holy. This is the story that these water bottles tell us this morning. Uh, I called a friend of my dad, uh, Kevin Gillette, uh, he's a local Culligan man. He's a member over at Nazareth, and my dad had told him that I was going to give him a call. And so uh, I called him, and he says, Mike, I've been giving this a lot of thought. And I'm like, I didn't tell him anything. My dad didn't tell him anything. And he told me almost precisely uh, the message that I'm going to share with you this morning. He says, Mike, let me tell you about water. And I said, please do. He's an expert in water. He says, Mike, did you know that pure water will not conduct electricity? And I said, no, I didn't know that. And so uh, I got this water from Kevin. He says, uh, this water is as pure as water will get here on this earth. And he says, if you put a charge right into that water, it will just die right there. As soon as the charge hits the water, it will just end because water that is pure will not conduct electricity. And then uh, what he said next caused some pause in me. In fact, as he described this to me, I got goosebumps in my body. I remember exactly where I was when he told me this. He says, Mike, do you know what corrupts pure water? And I said, no, tell me, please. He says, the earth, the ground, the dirt, the atmosphere corrupts pure water. And then as he told me this, my mind went right to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. It says, God created the man out of the dust of the ground. We are created totally different than God. The things that we are made of separates us from a holy God. So our dirt and our unrighteousness in us separates us from God. And so we come into worship and we're to worship this holy God, but we have this sense that we are separate from God. And so sometimes I know for me, I come into worship, I go to the theater and I'm trying to worship God, but in a sense, I'm just going through the motions because I feel unworthy. I know that I don't deserve to be in the presence of a holy God. And some of you have felt that way. And that feeling is true and it's accurate because we are different from God. We are different from God. Uh, Now, some of you know exactly where I'm going with this. Uh, 
there needs to be a solution to that problem. If we are to worship him and God calls us to worship him, in fact, he says that we are to be holy just as he is holy, how does that happen? Well, we know how it happens. It happens through the precious blood of Jesus Christ who came to this earth. He lived a perfect, holy life, not only to give us an example for how we must live and how we must act and how we must worship God, but he came to be the mediator between a holy God who is perfect and pure and between us who are not so pure. So this water here is water straight from the Cedar River. And I don't know if you can tell, but it's kind of murky and it's kind of dirty. And I want to suggest to you this morning that if we are to worship a holy God, we first, if we're going to stand in awe of a holy God, we must first stand in awe of our uncleanliness, our unholiness, because it's not until we stand in awe of that and understand what Jesus did to cleanse us until we can fully understand and Worship God in holiness. Wonder what the dirt is in your life. I have plenty of dirt in my life. And sometimes we think that, you know, our dirt is not really that bad. You can almost not tell the difference between this water and this water. See, this water, uh, if you look closely, there is plenty of dirt. And, and sometimes we think, well, we're not, we're not that bad. We're kind of like this water. You can still see through it, but it'll still conduct electricity. I would not want to be in that water when, uh, 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 a lightning bolt comes and crashes in because you'd be in big trouble then. It is so easy to stand in awe of somebody else's sin. We think of the bombers and we think, oh my goodness, how could they do that? We think of Russell and we think, uh, how could he do that? Now, we may not be bombers, we may not kill people, we may not steal money from others, but Jesus says that it takes only the smallest amount of dirt to corrupt you. Only takes the smallest amount of dirt to corrupt the water, and electricity will fly right through that water. It will be conducted, and, and it will be terrible. Jesus says, if you even think about sinning, you don't even have to do anything sometimes. You can even just think about it. Jesus says, if you think about a woman in an unhealthy manner, you have separated yourself from a holy God. Jesus says, um, you have heard it said, do not murder. And many of us have not murdered anybody, praise be to God. But uh, Jesus says, if you even call your brother a fool, you're just as sinful as somebody who takes somebody else's life. Just as dirty. Uh, I was struck by this fact of some of the dirt in, in my life as I was loading these water bottles into my trunk. DJ, Kevin's son, was helping me, and I had four bottles, so there's two at the other end for when I get down there, and we're putting bottles in my trunk, and he sees that uh, I have hail damage on my car. And he's, and uh, where the Culligan shop is is where some of the most heavy hail hit in that recent hailstorm. And, and so he says, man, your car got pelted. And then I had to tell him, I said, well, I bought the car that way over a year ago. And then this evil, unpure thought came into my mind. I thought, you know what? I could turn, turn this into insurance. Say, sure, my car was parked over at the Culligan man shop and it got pelted. And I thought, whoa, and I stood in awe just for a second of my sinful, crazy thinking. What is the sin, what is the things in your life that separates you from a holy God? Until we stand in awe of our uncleanliness, we can't fully stand in awe of God's holiness. 
The second reason we worship God in word and in deed is because of what Jesus did for us. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, There is one mediator, one, between us and God, the man Christ Jesus. Romans 5.8 says, While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And to the extent that we understand this and we let it sink and wash over our minds and wash over our hearts is the extent that we can stand in awe of a holy God. Because after Jesus washes us, it's then that we can come into the presence of God with confidence. So many times, like I said, I go into the theater and uh, I'm not fully engaged in the worship. We have great worship leaders and we have great uh, music there. And sometimes we just know that the, the presence of God is there. And even though I know that, I shrink back and I don't fully worship. And then I close my eyes in a prompting from God. And I remember the truth of Romans 5 eight that while I was a sinner, I'm still a sinner. On this earth, I will always be a sinner. But Christ died for me. And He cleansed me. And He cleanses you. And it's our decision whether we accept that cleansing or we just go through the motions of life and we never fully enter the presence of God because of our unholiness. This is the truth of Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 20. It's in your bulletin there. If you have some time later today, uh, just read through Hebrews. He describes the full context of what he's talking about here. But for time's sake, let me just read this for you. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, we have confidence to enter the presence of God. By what? He says, by the blood of Jesus. He has provided a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. His body was broken for us. And since we have a great priest... What is a priest? A priest is someone who helps people come into the presence of God. And Jesus is that great priest, that mediator that cleanses us. And it goes on to say, He is that great priest over the house of God. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with the full assurance that faith brings. We can't see Jesus, but through faith we know that He cleanses us. So, with full assurance that the faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from the guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. When we accept Jesus as our Savior, not only are we guaranteed uh, an eternity with Him, but it's His cleansing with pure water that allows us to enter the presence of a holy God and to worship Him in word and deed. I want to call all of us this morning to a deeper, to a fuller sense of worship so that we can stand in awe of a holy God because Jesus has washed us clean. Not only do we worship Him with our words, we're in a worship service and we've already sang words to honor God and to bring Him glory, but also with our deeds each and every day. Dave talked about the kingdom of God not too long ago. And you'll remember, he said, the kingdom of God, it's yes, it's in heaven, and yes, we'll spend eternity there, but he says the kingdom of God is here already. And uh, you will remember this, he says, uh, whenever you are doing the will of God, you are experiencing his kingdom. Whenever you do something nice for someone, uh, 
that's part of God's will, you are experiencing the kingdom. And as you do that, you are also worshiping God. You are giving Him honor. You are saying, uh, God, uh, you are good. Your ways are good. So I'm going to live in those ways. And you're bringing Him honor. Matthew 5.16, Jesus says, Let your light shine bright before men, so that as they see your good deeds... As they see you worshiping God in your deeds, they will give glory to your Father in heaven. And so our good deeds, our good actions, when we're serving in Christ's name, actually bring worship and glory and honor to God. We are to worship Him, not only by the words that we use, but by our actions as well. I want to invite you to cultivate this lifestyle of worship. Wherever you go, just being mindful that you are worshiping God. As you forgive somebody, as you say kind words to somebody, you're in the will of God and you are worshiping God. Coming back now to St. Peregrine Laziosi. He lived in a time in Rome where the church and the government was one in the same. Uh, you know, we live in a society where the church is one uh, entity and the government is another entity. And certainly we pray that the church has influence in our government. And we pray that our leaders are mindful of what Jesus is doing through the church. And and <clears throat> there's a separation. But in the time that Lassiosi lived, it was one and the same. The government and the church were one and the same. And uh, St. Peregrine, Laziosi, he was about 18 years old, and he lived in this little village. And in this village, he and his family were part of a rebellion against the government. They weren't so much rebelling against the church, but rebelling against the rules that the church was laying down for them. And so there was this rebellion in this village. And uh, the church uh, heard about the rebellion, and so they sent a bishop to to kind of find out what's going on and to hopefully uh, shepherd the people back under uh, good authority. And so uh, the bishop one day is in the village and he's teaching the people and and uh, Peregrine shows up and he starts heckling the bishop, just starting uh, yelling at him and uh, ushering insults at the bishop. I don't know if any of you have seen the movie 42. It's the Jackie Robinson story. It's an amazing story of how uh, one African-American man was the first uh, African-American baseball player in the major leagues. And in one scene, I even grimaced to even think about it. He's up at the plate. He's taking his turn at the at bat. And the opposing team's coach is just ridiculing him to no end to the point where <clears throat> Jackie actually runs off the field. He wants to quit. He wants to give up because the words that that man spoke were just so evil and so harsh. And that's kind of the picture here that Peregrine uh, is, is doing to this bishop. He's yelling at it. It got so bad that, Bish- that Peregrine got so riled up that he actually went and physically assaulted the bishop. Now, I don't know the time frame of uh, what happened next, but I do know that this happened at some point after he assaulted the bishop. At some point, he came to the conclusion that he was a sinful man, that what he had done to the bishop was against God, that it was uh, unholy. And he came to the point where he stood in awe of his sin, and he cried out to the holy God. He says, please forgive me, God. Find mercy for me. Find grace for me. And as he prayed that prayer, uh, 
Jesus came and cleansed him and made him holy. And in his holy, in, once he had received that holiness, he goes to the bishop of whom he had assaulted and he confesses his sin to him and he asks the bishop for forgiveness and the bishop forgave him. And then Peregrine begins to cultivate this lifestyle of worship and he ends up becoming a priest as well. And he serves the poor, worshiping God in his deeds and worshiping his God with his words. And then he did uh, more than that. He literally stood in awe of a holy God wherever he was all the time. If Peregrine was not sleeping, he was standing in awe of God. You see, Peregrine cultivated this lifestyle of worship and he made the decision that he would never sit down. He would never sit down. He would go to a worship service, and like you all are sitting right now, he would not sit. He would be standing right there. He would go to dinner or lunch with his other colleagues, or as he served, and lunch would be served, and he would stand, and he would eat his dinner. Wherever he went, he would stand. He stood so much that his leg uh, developed varicose veins, and even though his leg was getting sick, he would continue to stand. It got so bad that cancer actually developed in his leg uh, so bad that he went to the physicians of the time and they said, Peregrine, if you continue to stand, we are going to cut off your leg. And I can just hear Peregrine saying, well, cut it off because I'll stand on one foot and I'll worship God and I'll stand in God on one leg. And so the night before that they were going to amputate his leg, a miraculous thing happened. God's holiness showed up in Peregrine's house and healed his leg completely. I love this picture of St. Peregrine because there he is standing and he's remind, and we're reminded that uh, he stood so much that his leg was sick. And so you can see his leg and it's hurt there. But I love this picture also because he's holding a crucifix, not just a cross like this one, but a crucifix that depicts Jesus' death there on the cross, the death that makes all of us clean if we only accept it. Peregrine stood in awe of a holy God. He worshipped him in word and deed. And I want to call all of us to cultivate that style of worship, that type of worship, in everything we do and in everything we say. I'm going to invite the band to come up, those that are going to lead us in worship this morning. And I have a challenge for all of you. 1 Timothy 2.8 Paul writes to Timothy and he says, I desire that men everywhere pray, lifting holy hands to God. Holy hands, hands that are set apart to serve God and to worship Him. And so we're going to sing this song, and it's the stand, and you've sung it before, and here are the words that we're all going to sing together. I stand with arms high and heart abandoned in awe of the one who gave his life for me. I stand in awe of the one, with my arms high. I don't know if any of you have ever worshipped with your arms high, but today's your day. Today's your day. Sometimes we come and maybe even you feel the sense in your, in your body that, you know, I should lift my hands up and, and praise to God and you don't because of what other people think. Well, it doesn't matter what other people think because you are in the presence of a holy God and a holy God just commands us and calls us to worship Him with everything we are. 
So if you are able this morning, lift up your hands to a holy God and stand in awe. And before you do, let this motivate you. Let this motivate you. They're not going to ask you to stand, but I'm going to ask you to stand after you have uh, run this over in your mind. Stand in awe of your sin and your unholiness. And after you've stood in awe in your mind as you're sitting there of your unholiness and remember that Jesus cleansed you with pure water and after that resonates in your mind and into your soul and you're ready to worship God, then stand up and worship the holy God and let your hands go high because God is holy. He is holy other and He has cleansed us and He He has made us holy as well. We're in the presence of a holy God, made possible through the sacrifice of Jesus. So when you're ready, when you're ready, stand in awe of a holy God and worship Him.